0: Good morning and welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church. My name is Isaiah Hawks. I'm the children and preschool pastor here, and I'm currently leaving Master's Garden Preschool and I'm heading to the church. And so I figured, why don't you join me? Why don't we just go from here to over there to, to the church? I mean it's not far, so and you're you're already here, I'm already here, so let's let's go together. You know, whenever I'm over at Master's Garden, I, I think a lot about the classroom setting and, and the things that we have to do to enhance the, the, the learning ability for the kids. And so a lot, a lot of the times we, we talk about uh, being a kinesthetic learner or we talk about being an auditory learner. And, and we also talk about the classroom setting as a whole. You know, classrooms look different nowadays. I mean, it's at home most times and, and over a screen, and most likely looking forward, it's gonna be that same way. But today, Pastor Bob is going to be talking, looks like we're going to have a little bit of rain, Uh, so don't mind that. But today, Pastor Bob is going to be talking about uh, looking at the uh, the book of Exodus, Exodus 2 through 3, and he's going to be talking about the, the learning environment that Moses was put in, that God put Moses in a specific learning environment. took him out into the wilderness and there he learned how to shepherd and so today as bob leads us through may we also think and and put our thinking caps on to the environment that we need to be in for spiritual growth or maybe the the environment that god is putting us in to make sure That we are spiritually equipped for the next step. And so I don't know if you can actually hear me, because it's raining a ton, but we are getting closer and closer to the church. And I have a surprise for you. Pastor Bob, I mean Pastor Jeremiah is going to be standing in the front, and he's asked if he could just kind of pray with us today. So as we talk about your best learning environment, may we just be thinking about who God is and all of this stuff. So, here is Jeremiah. Let's see. I think it's raining a little bit. All right, here's Jeremiah. He's going to pray with y'all. All <laughs>
1: Good morning, Ebenezer Church family. I'm Pastor Jeremiah Chapman, and uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, Well, you're not here, but we're here virtually together. So I wanted to take you through the doors of the church this morning. You know, gathering together as Christians is such an important part of who we are as the church and the body of Christ. But I actually wanted to take you through the doors with me this morning as we get ready to worship and get our hearts and minds ready. Now, I wish more than anything that you were here with me this morning, and I bet that you do too. But this morning, we want to have an environment, just like we were here in the church, that where we could pay attention and where we could learn from God and hear together. So as you're watching this, just remember that we are all together as we're watching this and that we're worshiping together. So let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity for us together, even if it's virtually. But God, we believe that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead and the same Spirit that's existed in the church and empowered the church for many years is empowering us now, even though we're together but apart. So this morning, help us to prepare our hearts and our minds As we get ready to hear your word, what your word has to speak to us this morning. And we thank you for it all, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you will, let's go inside.
2: Good morning, ABC family. I just want to invite you, wherever you are at this moment, just to join me in worship in celebrating the amazing God that we serve and praising him, praising the name of Jesus that is above every other name.
3: the bar
2: Listen to this amazing declaration and promise from Psalm 121. I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going, both now and forevermore.
3: Bring it all to peace storm surrounding me Let it break At your name Still Call the sea to still Rage in me to still Every way At your name Jesus, Jesus Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, pray. call these bones to leave, call these lungs to sing once again. I will pray. a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light i you.
2: God, we thank you and praise you for being our help in time of struggle. God, I praise you that when I look to you in whatever sorrow, in whatever joy, in whatever circumstance or experience, God, I can say that it is well. Because, God, I know that you are the one who makes the darkness tremble. God, you are the one who overcomes all fear, all sorrow, all doubt, all frustration, all shame, all sin. It's in the power of your strong name that we have victory. And it's in your name that every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, including my knee, Lord. So, Father, help me help all of us to surrender to you. Because, God, it's in that surrender that we find your strength, that we find your peace, that we find your power. And it's in your name we pray.
4: Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Ebenezer Online. I'm so glad you've chosen to join with us again this morning by video. Uh, We're going to be back in our Recalibrate series And so we're looking at the life of Moses in different episodes in Moses' life where we can gain some insight, not just into his life, but also into how our lives should be and how our lives should change when we encounter God. Remember, Recalibrate had to do with changing our attitude to be focused on God's purpose and also to look at it differently, to change the way we look at the small things within the big story of God. So as we do that, last week we talked about Jochebed. We talked about Moses' birth and we talked about his mom Jochebed and what happened as she took that that baby and set him in a basket and laid him in the reeds along the Nile River and Pharaoh's daughter came along and uh, Moses ended up in Pharaoh's um, household, but he came by way of Jochebed's household because... Moses was given back to his mom to nurse. And so uh, that happened last week, and we we talked about just changing us, realizing that even small acts of obedience would be those things that God would use to create his larger story. And so as we get into today's lesson out of Exodus chapter 2 and chapter 3, we're actually going to jump ahead. Uh, We're going to move up just about 40 years in Moses' life, and there are some unknowns. Uh, We don't know um, how long Moses spent in Jochebed and Anraim's home, their household, how long she was able to protect him but also prepare him for what's ahead, and we don't know how long he spent in Pharaoh's daughter's home, what the influence of that Egyptian household looked like, but this we do know: there are vast differences between the um, the worship practices of the Hebrews and the worship practices of the Egyptians. The Hebrews have one God; it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then you have the the Egyptians, and they had many gods. And that's addressed in the plagues later on in the Book of Exodus. So, two vastly different um, households, two vastly different sets of training. That would have taken place in Moses' life from the time he was a baby to this time where he's forty years old as part of Pharaoh's household. and And just as a side note, um, we cannot underestimate the uh, the influence that parents have in the life of a child. As we get in this, into this, we're going to talk about your best learning environment. We're going to look at this starting in Exodus chapter two, starting at verse eleven. And just understand that learning environments can look different. They can be a classroom. It could be a sanctuary, a garden, a playing field. And for Moses, like Moses, it can even be a desert. So let's look at Exodus chapter 2, starting at verse 11. It says, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. And he, took, he looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, it says they were fighting together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Have you not heard phrases like that? Who made you judge? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and sure and thought, Surely the thing is known. And when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Verse 16. Now when the priest of Midian had now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and And filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. And when they came home to their father Reuel, which we also know as Jethro, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. And he said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. And she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a sojourner or a traveler in a foreign land. Verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. And God remembered His covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And God knew, or God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Let's pray as we get into this a little bit further. Father, we thank You for our time this morning we thank you for your word for moses's story within your greater story, father as moses goes through these things we understand that moses as a leader was never perfect but god you taught moses and you led moses and you used moses to accomplish what you wanted to and so father as we study this passage and and the beginning of chapter three God, open our eyes uh, to what you would have us see. Open our hearts to how you want to affect us and our minds that, that we may understand with clarity your word and how it applies to us. So, God, thank you for our time this morning to study and to look. God, we want this to bring glory to you. God, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the first thing I want us to to understand is that our best learning environment um, should help you or should help me to be respectful. So how was how was Moses in this particular area? Well, Moses in in verse twelve that that Moses essentially disrespected the law of the land. He killed that taskmaster, and so he disrespected the law of the land. He disrespected Pharaoh's household and. And really, in this case, you would say there is no justification and no excuse for Moses doing what he did. See, even good people can do bad things, and Moses tried to hide it. Um, so it says over in Acts chapter 7, in Stephen's account regarding Moses and this incident, it says in verse 23, when he was 40 years old, he came into, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel and seeing one of them being wronged, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking down the Egyptian. He supposed, now this is where you need to catch this, he supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. And so we look at that and we think, why didn't Moses write that? And I just want to tell you just as a matter of reference that scripture agrees and whether Moses wrote it in that detail or Stephen said it and it's recorded by Luke in chapter in Acts chapter 7 those things are in agreement god would not allow his word to conflict or or to disagree with himself so we trust that the account that Stephen gives in Acts chapter 7 is an accurate account and so we look at that Moses at the very least he assumed his role was savior and he he assumed a couple other things he assumed that no one would notice it, look as it, it says he he looked both ways and thinking he could get away with it thought that nobody would notice he also assumed that god would not care that that the end would justify the means and he assumed that his actions would be understood so we we see this and And isn't that just the mindset of our culture? If I look both ways and nobody sees me, then I'm innocent. Or I can do whatever I need to do that the end would justify the means. And it's a dangerous position to to be in. And we live in a society that essentially works off of that premise. We can do whatever it is we need to do if we can accomplish this by doing it, even if it's illegal. Even if it's wrong, even if it goes against God's word, and that that is a dangerous place to be, and for Moses, it was a uh, dangerous place for him within the Hebrew culture, but a dangerous for him place for him to be personally. But we see a change in verse seventeen chapter two, verse seventeen, it says um, that he was there around the daughters of Jethro and and actually stuck up for them, he he stepped in and shooed away the shepherds that wanted the daughters um, of Jethro's sheep to go away. He shooed them away and enabled the daughters of Jethro to water their flock and to do what they needed to do. So they got home earlier. You see, Moses, I think, has a sensitive heart toward the abused, the oppressed. And so we, we see this, In his life back with the taskmaster and the Hebrew, Um, we see that sensitivity there. We see that sensitivity in the desert with the the daughters of Jethro. God uses that particular trait, his characteristic, that trait in Moses to propel him into the role that he's going to have for him in leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. Then in verse 21 of chapter 2, it says, Moses became content to live under the authority of Jethro. It says that Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter, Zipporah. And he was now willing to fall under somebody else's authority besides the authority of Pharaoh. And so what we see is that we see this transformation in Moses' life from being disrespectful to being respectful. The second point for us this morning, not just um, this. Um, your best learning environment should help you be respectful, but it should help you to be teachable. Moses goes to the desert, um, to the area around Mount Horeb, and we know that also is Mount Sinai, and he stayed there, and it says in verse 23, during those many days the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. So Moses goes to this place and for many days, and We really don't have a way to quantify the the many days. But let me ask you this. With regards to COVID-19, with regards to social unrest or civil unrest, um, with regards to being out of the church building or your work environment looking different or putting on masks when you don't want to put on masks, how many days is many days? You see, we're, we're already there, aren't we? We we want that kind of be over, and we want to get back to this sense of normalcy, and we don't get to do that. But when you, at least not right now, but but understand that God is working in Moses' life, and it's it's forty years. Do we want this to last forty years? Absolutely not. But what is the time frame for God? What will God do in this time frame where we feel so pressed to, to move forward? God may be saying, slow down and learn. Slow down and be teachable. Wait on me and see if I won't provide something that's greater than what you can imagine. Our job at this point is to step into that desert or into that other classroom and allow God to teach us. So what takes place in Moses' life? Well, there's, I think there's a transformation that takes place on several different fronts. Um, one is physical. Just the physical, the the moving from Pharaoh's household and all the luxuries of that to moving into the desert with Jethro and his family as a shepherd. I mean, that's there's a, a wide range. It's different than moving from um, uh, just a small house to a big house or a big house to a small house. We're talking grandeur to nothing. And so this physical transformation takes place. But the, I think there is a much more important transformation that takes place in the life of Moses. It's the emotional and the spiritual transformation that takes place that sets him up for leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. See, Moses is putting put in this desert, and it was a fantastic learning environment for him because it meant that he was going to have solitude. It meant that he was going to be quiet. Uh, there wasn't going to be the the long list of distractions, and for us, we have to question whether we can be in a learning environment and be teachable in a place where there's so many distractions. Simon Sinek wrote, and he, he's specifically talking about a younger generation that has become addicted to distraction, but I would say we're all sort of addicted to distraction. In fact, there's there were times, and, and I heard it this past week because we took that break at the the end of last week's video, to talk about the plan of salvation. And somebody said, I really like that break in the middle of what you did. And I was like, I never thought about it as a break. It was just a, a matter of information and sharing something really important about coming to know Christ. But we get addicted to distractions all the time. Uh, how, many, how many hours can you go without checking your email or your Facebook, or your Instagram? Moses had to deal with self-loathing. I've murdered somebody, and even with Moses, there's the possibility of despair. Second thing is I think he had to work through the self-righteous part of that act. Moving in and killing somebody, but thinking about that taskmaster that was beating that Hebrew slave, could he have not had a self-righteous attitude and said, "That, that taskmaster, he deserved it. He deserved everything he got. And don't we sometimes go down that road as well? And we see somebody going down the highway and they pass us like, like we're still and we hope that there's a state trooper up up ahead. And when we may get to see that happen where the state trooper pulls that guy over, don't we pull up alongside and, and look over and just smile and think, he deserved that. Don't we do that? And so he may have had this self-righteous um, attitude that he deserved it. We he may have also been self-absorbed. That he knows he knew best. He knew what was best for not the taskmaster, but he knew what was best for the children of Israel and stepped into something that he shouldn't have stepped into. He was self-absorbed. So the question of why am I here? It's a, it's a question of moving away from self. So what did Moses need to learn? He needed to learn how to be the instrument that God would use. And so what is the the vehicle for that? The classroom was the desert, but what is God going to use within the classroom? What textbook is he going to use? He's going to use the textbook of shepherding to teach Moses what to do because the primary role of a shepherd is not the well-being of the shepherd. The primary role of the shepherd is the well-being of the sheep. We can look at John chapter 10. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And we see that even back in Ezekiel. And this is what it says in verse 15. I myself, this is God talking, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. It's that I'm going to, Be their shepherd. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to make them lie down. They will rest in me. It's what we we see repeated in Psalm 23 when David says that he makes me lie down in green pastures and he restores my soul. He fills my cup. He does all those things as the good shepherd. Moses is going to learn how to be a shepherd. He was learning to be a shepherd by being a student. He needed the training. He needed to learn how to shepherd. You need to learn how to shepherd well because you think about his next job. If he was shepherding sheep, what was his next job? His next job was to go back and get the Israelites out of Egypt and shepherd a large group of people. You think, oh man, that's a jump. His resume goes from shepherding sheep to shepherding a really large congregation. And it wasn't just any congregation. It was the congregation of god that needed to be led you see they were if if you remember them when they left the the um the country of egypt um they were disgruntled they were obstinate they were stubborn they there's all these characteristics um that they showed and and showed out on as they traveled away from the land of Egypt, even wanting to go back to Egypt. You brought us out here to die? Their attitude, and yet Moses is called to be shepherd of that group of people. They were a fledgling nation with no real organization to move forward into a desert all by themselves. They were moving from slavery to freedom and not knowing how to handle that. Moses had to learn how to be a shepherd, and God was preparing him to do that. This this idea of being teachable is what is characterized or described when we talk about the word disciple. See, a disciple is essentially someone who is teachable. Isn't that what Jesus was looking for when he called his disciples? He said, come and walk with me, go with me, and I will teach you, but I need you to be teachable. And for us, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ and follow Him and follow that invitation to follow God in what He wants, then we have to be teachable as well. We have to embrace their, that characteristic. If we have a God that's big enough, if our picture of God is big enough, if our understanding—or maybe it's not—shouldn't be an understanding, but our concept of God is big enough, being teachable is a job for our entire life. It's, it's a characteristic that we would embrace until we die. And if you think you've arrived, then you are one of two things. You're either deceived or you're dead. That's the, that's the bottom line. Because we have to be teachable as a disciple of Christ. We, we are before a, a vast God, a mighty God, the God of all creation. And when God invites us to follow him through Jesus Christ and we say God I want my sin to not be in the way. I want to ask for your forgiveness. Invite you into my life and allow your and have your Holy Spirit dwell within me. We're asking God to teach us to be more like Jesus and to mature in him. It doesn't make us perfect, but it does make us saved. It does make us secure in Christ. Do we need Possess the heart of a learner? Absolutely. And so we need to be learning how to be respectful and we need to develop our teachable spirit. But also being teachable is a prerequisite to being used, to being usable. The third point in your outline this morning is that the best learning environment or your best learning environment should help you be usable. So we, let's look at chapter 3, because Moses makes this transition. He's very confident, settled in being in Jethro's household, but he goes out to tend that flock. And we see in verses 23 through 25, we see this transition take place where it says that God remembered, and it's not that God forgot. It's, it's more like um, he knew it, but God in his timing was going to move. And so it says in verse 1 of chapter 3, and we'll read down just a little ways. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, and the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And essentially he says, I'm going to turn and look. Consciously, I'm going to turn and watch this. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses. Moses. And he said, here I am. Now, now, I don't know about you. What would you answer if a burning bush called out to you? I guess you'd say, here I am. Have you ever been in a place where... You didn't see the person in the room and they called out your name? You kind of look around like, uh, who is that? Well, in this case, it was God talking to Moses. He said, Here I am. And then he said, God said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God much the same response that we see in Isaiah chapter 6 in that vision of Isaiahs where he's in the throne room of God feeling very unclean before the holiness of almighty God then the lord said i have surely seen the affliction of my people who are I heard their cry because of their taskmasters i know their sufferings and i have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Remember the characteristic in Moses' life, his nature to watch out for the oppressed and the abused. He said, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12, God, He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt you shall serve on this mountain. man. What an, incredible, what an incredible promise of God. He calls him to be usable, to go back and get the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses is familiar with the household of Pharaoh. Maybe not the Pharaoh of the day, but he's familiar with the, the regalia and, and the, the splendor of the Egyptian Pharaoh's household. And realizing he's now a shepherd and God's asking him to move from that shepherd, physically from that shepherd place, back to the household of Pharaoh to draw out the people of Israel. He says, come, come, I will send you to Pharaoh and you will bring bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That word come is the, the um, Hebrew word halak. And it, and it means to walk and it's It's what we read about in so many places in Scripture where God calls us to walk or have a lifestyle that is centered around Him. Well, how does that happen? That walk happens when we walk with God. It's not an isolated walk. Moses is being invited to come alongside God and and God with him alongside Moses to go back to Pharaoh and take the people out of Egypt. But Moses responds, Moses' response, who am I? Who am I that I should go back and do that? And essentially he's saying, I'm not worthy to go back. And if you remember my story, God, I may have disqualified myself when I killed that Egyptian taskmaster. Do you remember that story? So he he may have thought, I'm not worthy to go and do this. And then even the burden of shepherding this large group of people. It was a really big job. Well, this is what Jeremy Kingsley said um, in his book uh, called Be Last Descending to Greatness. He says this there's something prof- freeing and supernaturally powerful about acknowledging our sin, acknowledging our sins, our fears, and our shortcomings to God. Throughout the scriptures, we're told that when a person, any person, has a humble and contrite heart, so God can use that individual in bold and creative ways to advance his kingdom. Who is humble and contrite? The one who desires to be last. And doesn't that sound like something that Jesus promoted when he was talking about the places in his kingdom? That the first will be last? And that we become, as we grow up and mature in him, that We won't be the ones served, but we'll be the ones serving. As he came to serve and and to seek and to save that which was lost, wasn't that what Jesus portrayed when he came as as God in the flesh? Sure it was. Moses is in that place and God has forgiven him. They've done some business and God calls him. And what we see in verse 6 of chapter 3, we see God identifying himself. God identifies himself. It says, And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And at that, Moses hit his face. And then, But we also see Moses has a crisis in verse 11. This call that goes out. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And then in verse 12, this this great passage where God offers assurance. He says, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you, that you have brought the people of out, of, out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Now we know, because we've likely looked ahead in this at some point, we understand that they will end up at Mount Sinai. That's the place where Moses receives the Ten Commandments. But why? Does God say that? Because there's going to be challenges within the leadership of Moses as he goes through this process, and he's going to need to remember the promise of God. Remember, Moses is not perfect. He may be even a little impulsive. He is sensitive to those who are abused and oppressed. But he is the instrument that God has taken to the desert to teach. He's learned how to be respectful in some ways. He's been teachable. And now God wants to use him within the big story of God. And so the question for us this morning is, what is God doing in your life with regards to respect? Uh, Are there people or things that you need to respect more because It is a way to honor God. So I'm convinced if we have an issue or a hard time with the authorities that God has put in place, we will have a hard time being under the authority of God. God's given us somebody that we can see in front of us, and at the same time we have a hard time with that. How can we possibly fall under the authority of a God that we can't really see? So we may need to do some business with God with in the area of respect and being respectful, then how well are you doing at being teachable? Have you arrived? I hope not. I hope that you're desiring to be the disciple that God's called you to be and that you say, God, I want to be teachable. Now, I understand that being teachable might mean that I'm going to have to endure some pain and some discomfort to get there. But I also understand that when you draw me or take me to places of discomfort, it is so that I can learn to step into somebody else's discomfort and bring comfort. It's it's going into that place where God teaches us to grab hold of more of Him and less of ourselves so that we can affect the world for Christ and make that influence within the big story of God. And then if you're bold enough to stop and say, God, I want to be usable. Now, we may be in a place more like Moses was in this passage where we say, who am I? I'm really nobody and I really don't have a part in this. But God has called you to respect. To see Him as the big God that He is. To be teachable under His hand. And then to go where He's called you to go, understanding that you will never do that in isolation. You will do that with the help of God. You will allot with God. And so, as you consider the ideas of respectful, teachable, and usable, I hope that you will be obedient to what God calls you to this morning you may want to take a moment or two and pray. I'm going to pray in just a moment, but you may want to pray specifically for yourself or for others in your family and say, God, help us to be the people of God that reflect you well as we are respectful for, to those around us and to you, teachable in all things that we fall under your authority. And then, God, we want to be used by you to bring you glory and honor and fame to your name in this world in which we live. So let's pray. Father, I thank You for this morning. I thank You for Your Word, and for the encouragement that You will use even people that are imperfect. In fact, you don't even look for perfect people to use. Um, as Alan Redpath said, um, when God wants to do an impossible task, He takes an impossible man and crushes him. Sometimes um, you take us and you crush us so that we can be the most usable instrument for your glory. And so, Father, I pray this morning as we consider a response to what you've called us to, may we be obedient and you be honored. God, thank you so much for our time this morning, even in this way of doing worship by video. And so, God, continue to bless us as a church. And I thank you for all that you're doing in the life of our body and in the life of the individuals that represent you in this community. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for joining us again this morning. I don't want to let this opportunity go by without inviting you to be part of our live worship beginning in September. Until then, we'll be online. You know, we talk about having a relationship with Christ and walking with Him. And I want to invite you to personally know the God of all creation by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. We do that by admitting our sin and then believing. See, our sin separates us from God, and it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then it says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have the opportunity to begin this relationship with God with a fresh start to being a new creature in Christ. And so I want to invite you to do that. And if you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, would you pray this prayer with me? God, thank you for being the God that you are, for providing for salvation through Jesus Christ and the cross of Calvary. And right now, I want to acknowledge that you are God, that you are Almighty, and that my sin, displeases you, and it separates me from you. Father, I thank you for giving Jesus Christ as a Savior, as my Savior, and so I want to ask that you would fill me with your Spirit. I want to receive your forgiveness, and right now turn over my life to you, surrender my life to you as my Savior and Lord. God, thank you for giving me new life in Jesus, and it's in that name that I Amen. Well, if you prayed this morning to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would love for you to give us an opportunity to help you grow in that relationship with Christ. So you can contact us by the email or the phone number on the bottom of the screen and let us know about your decision. And we'll put into your hands some things that will help you grow in Christ. Again, thanks for joining us this morning, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Let me give you a very quick update. Um, we are considering and are working toward getting back in the building the beginning of September. Uh, we're working through the process of figuring out what we're going to do to make this the the most safe place we can for every part of the body of Christ that will worship here. And we know that worshiping corporately is extremely important to the health of a congregation. We want the body for whatever it takes to worship together and bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Again, thanks for joining us this morning. I look forward to seeing you in person very soon. Have a great day.
1: We welcome you to join us next Sunday for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, please do share it with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.